The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our New Testament reading comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. Hear the word of the Lord. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among them, the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. God, we thank you for your word. I have a question for you this 4th of July weekend. Are you free? Freedom's a word you might hear a lot this weekend. You might be attending a parade and hear the old Lee Greenwood song. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And simultaneously see in front of you at that parade a shirt that reads, Freedom isn't free. You may see a large group of women on the news lining streets holding a picture of the Supreme Court justices chanting, They stole my freedom in the overturn of Roe v. Wade. As June draws to a close, you may still hear the echoes of the Pride Month theme song. Freedom to be whoever I want, love whomever I want, and express that love however I want. Are you free? What is it? I ask this morning. What is freedom? Freedom is a state of being. Like the word kingdom or boredom. The three letters D-O-M at the end of a word mean rule or place of rule. So freedom means free rule or free from being ruled over. Here's a definition of freedom for you to think about. Freedom is the power to think, act, or speak as one wants without being hindered, manipulated, or restrained. Are you free? Do you want that? The power to think, act, or speak as you want to without being hindered, manipulated, or restrained. Are you free? 
Freedom is a state where decisions can be made without any external forces controlling your actions. Contrast freedom for a second with slavery. Slavery, someone who's unable to make decisions without being controlled or manipulated or hindered by an outside force. Think for a second of a dog on a leash. How free is that dog? They see a squirrel or a rabbit and they instinctively, they just want to go after it. What happens? The owner chokes them back, pulling them back from making the decision to run. Are they free? Or a woman in an abusive relationship. She buys a dress that she loves at the store. She gets home. She puts it on. And within a minute of her boyfriend coming home, he smacks her across the room saying, get that thing off. You look like a prostitute. Or a child on a playground who would love to freely swing or jump or climb upon it. But as soon as they come upon the playground, they hit the wall of the bully's word saying, take one step on this playground and I will squash your face to the ground. Are you free? Friends, when you open your eyes first thing in the morning... Are your thoughts free to move about your brain cabin? Or are they being controlled, manipulated, or hindered by what others might think of you? Or what unrealistic expectations the world or your parents or your family or your kids have for you? When you go about your day, are your actions flowing freely out of you without reservation? Or are your decisions constantly controlled by things like comparison to other people or competition with other people? Are your eyes free? Or are they controlled by external powers like luxury or lust? Is your speech free Are the words which come off of your tongue really what you want to say? Or are they controlled by anger, doubt, revenge, or regret? Are you free? If the answer that you're answering this morning is no, I don't think I am. I have good news, friends. You're not alone. Slavery is the condition of every son and daughter of our first father, Adam. Paul encourages us in the book of Romans, we're not alone as he describes the frustrating state of slavery every human being lives in chapter 7 when he says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. It's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me, that chain, that leash that dwells within me. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That's what Paul says. Are you free? Our Westminster Confession encourages us. To remember this fact, freedom is how God created us to live. God has given us natural freedom. He's given natural freedom to the will of each person so that it is neither forced to do good or evil, but by by any absolute necessity of nature. Let me read that again. God has given natural freedom to the will of each person. That's how we were created. So that it is neither forced to good or evil, by absolute necessity of nature, by any external forces. 
And in that state, we were created. In that state of innocence, we had the freedom, had the power, had the will to do what was good and pleasing to God. But that freedom that he created in us was changeable so that we could leave it behind. And we did. We left it. Freedom was hijacked like the cockpits of the four 9-11 planes by sin. And so we became slaves to sin as the world, our flesh, and the devil continue to control, hinder, and manipulate us. And friends, we need a leader to reclaim our state of freedom again. That's what we're all looking for in our political system, right? That's what everyone really is looking for. Someone who will restore freedom for us. Someone who will think on their own and not be swayed by public approval ratings. Someone who will act on the people's behalf, not on their own or her own self-interest. Someone who will speak without fear of not getting reelected or assassinated. We need a leader to reclaim our freedom. And so I have even better news than the fact that we were all enslaved. I have good news to say a king has come with freedom in hand. King Jesus offers to set you free. Will you walk in the freedom he secured for you? Today's passage in Mark 15 shows us three ways in which King Jesus used his freedom to set humanity free. How did Jesus freely think, act, and speak so that we could be free? We see this in Mark 15 in three ways. First, he freely chose to be chained. Second, he freely chose to be charged. And finally, he freely chose to be exchanged. As we see what the king freely chose to do, God let it free us to walk in that freedom too. First, King Jesus freely chose to be chained. There's three words in the first verse that should pause us and cause us to begin to understand the freedom Jesus offered. Do you see those three words? They bound Jesus. They bound Jesus. The they, it's the religious leaders of the day. And if you think about it, it's almost a laughable action on the part of the temple leaders. To bind Jesus, the one who in the book of Mark alone has had the ability to reverse disease, rebuke demons, restore people's legs, hands, ears, eyes, return a dead girl alive to her parents, feed thousands with a handful of food, even stop a severe thunderstorm warning with one word. What in the world could the chains around his hands and feet do to him? They are useless. Unless they represent not Jesus's chance, but every one of ours. Not Jesus's bondage, but ours. Notice in verse 10 what Pilate sees to be the reason the religious leaders want Jesus out of the picture and killed. Envy. Envy. It's part of our slavery. We want what Jesus has. Power, control, rule. We want what our first father Adam wanted, to be like God. That's what they wanted. That's what the religious leaders wanted. That's what we want. To not just have freedom to live under God's rule, but to also be ruler over our own worlds. That's envy. 
And so I ask the question, how for you has envy controlled or enslaved you even today? There's a movie that really shaped me growing up. And it's going to out me on just how geeky I am. But it was a movie called Amadeus. I think I saw it probably five or six times in the theater. On first glance, you'd think it was a story about the famous classical composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. But it wasn't. It was about a man named Antonio Salieri. can't say it well. He was a contemporary of Mozart. And the story is about Salieri watching this genius composer Mozart do things Salieri, a composer himself, could never dream of doing. He watched Mozart compose these works of art he knew he didn't have the ability to create himself. And he sees Mozart as God's way of mocking him. Salieri wants fame. Salieri wants attaboys. But Mozart keeps stealing his thunder. So what does he do? Salieri plots to slowly and diabolically kill the genius Mozart. This is the Sanhedrin's actions as well. What happens when we don't get what we want? When Jesus won't share God's status with us, what do we do? We chain him like a dog to a tree. We take matters into our own hands like Salieri. We let envy control us and we cry, my will be done, crucify him. And it enslaves us. Would you see in Jesus's being bound that he is free here to wear those chains of envy? He is wearing those chains that mark our slavery. See how free he is to let the chains bind him and not us. He doesn't refuse the religious leader's power play and turning him over to Pilate. He's freely wearing the chains so he can free you of envy and restore you back to freedom. So what does Christ offered freedom look like for us from envy? What's the opposite of envy? It's generosity. It's giving up what is yours for someone else. It's walking in the freedom Christ has given you. And it means releasing the change which say, more for me. It's releasing change saying, no, this is for you. Who are you jealous of today? Maybe it's someone in a different stage of life or someone who has more or someone who's more attractive or more talented. Someone who lives or works where you would rather work or live. Envy has caused you to compare yourself to others and those chains fall you short. Friends, let Christ take those chains off of you and walk in the freedom of the generous gift he's given you. He loves you, envious one, by wearing your chains. Give up your envious thirst for power or control or approval or comfort. Freedom is moving your hands freely by offering to others what you have. Share the wealth of God's grace with others without asking for a return on your investment, friends. Open your front door of hospitality and let people into your place. Give to others without your right hand knowing what your left hand is doing because generosity is gospel chainless freedom. It's yours. Will you walk in it? Second, King Jesus freely chose to be charged. What are the charges brought against Jesus in verses 3 to 5? Look at it. What are the charges brought to Jesus in verses 3 to 5? 
There's only one recorded. Like last week's, the high priest's statement in the previous passage where he said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Pilate's words in the Greek are not written as a question. They're written as a statement with a question mark at the end. Pilate says of Jesus, you are the king of the Jews. Jews and Gentile authorities in this account and the last have made three proclamations about Jesus. Charges, if you will. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And he's the king of God's people. Pilate historically had this hatred for the Jews. They were a thorn in his side because they made ruling over this region so difficult with all their rules and all their revolts and all their personality. So this statement directed to Jesus that Pilate makes, it's not kindly spoken. Pilate would love to mock the Jews by humiliating their leader. And notice the authority to which Jesus responds. He never makes the claim himself to be who he is, but he allows humans to declare it for him. It is as you say. The king doesn't make great boasts about himself. He allows his title to be dragged through the mud. Mark makes it very clear that what gets Jesus killed and charged is not a lie about Jesus, but the truth. The charge that would hang above him, above his broken body was what? This is the king. And the one who a moment after his death would be declared by a soldier, maybe holding a hammer, Surely this was the Son of God. They tried to heap on Jesus false charges. And Pilate, he demands, Jesus, defend yourself. Set the record straight. But what does Jesus do? He stays silent. Isaiah 53, as Stephanie read, is fulfilled as Jesus doesn't open his mouth to give any merit to the false claims about him. He instead lets the one charge ring loud against him. You are the king of the Jews. And like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, the king freely chooses, freely chooses to not open his mouth. Pilate is floored by this freedom. Jesus is not begging to be spared. Pilate's seen probably a lot of criminals come through his place. No, please, 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 please. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying nothing. He's being still. He's being quiet. He's being obediently free. What do we do when we or someone we love is falsely accused of something? Watch our fur rise. Watch our social media fingers fly. Watch our mouths move. We justify ourselves. We defend our righteousness and our rights. We gloat. We demand an apology. The Roe v. Wade decision is one, friends. We can celebrate for the sake of those who don't have the ability to speak. But it is not a decision we should ever gloat over or even take credit for. Leave that to the defender of the defenseless. Because that was us. Every charge brought against us of the things we said, thought, or did. Friends, every charge brought against us has some measure of sin within it. We have no defense. We are guilty. But we can live in the freedom of Christ receiving every charge against us and walk as a people who are made guiltless by the king. We are made innocent. Here is our servant king, quiet, 
Why are Christians sometimes the most angry, outspoken people? It's probably because we're doing so much defending of ourselves and so little of allowing Christ to defend us. Even fallen Christian leaders who I heard about on a podcast this week who are clearly busted for their crimes against God and others, they respond by passing the buck with the phrase, mistakes were made, instead of taking quiet ownership for their actions and living in quiet assurance of Christ's forgiveness of them. What would it look like for us to practice the freedom and the spiritual discipline of silence? And allow Christ's actions of defending you speak louder than your words. I think of the scene from a film called The Hidden Life or A Hidden Life. It depicts the story, the true story of an Austrian farmer. Try to pronounce this one too. Franz Jägerstatter. Stotter, probably. And throughout the film, you see Franz's growing discomfort with the Nazi mission and regime. Regime. But throughout the life, Franz doesn't raise a bullhorn. He doesn't gather troops against Hitler. Throughout the movie, throughout the film, you see him living his life in faith and in freedom. Until he's called up. Until he's drafted into Hitler's army for military service. And as he's lined up with the men who are ordered to give an oath... To give full and dying allegiance to the Fuhrer Hitler in his faithful freedom. Franz stands there silent. His lips do not move. And it is in this refusal to speak he's charged with the death penalty. Friends, in a fight with your spouse this week, which you may have, I probably will, listen to the charges brought against you. And nod. Stand in silence, remembering there's probably truth to what's being said there. But you can stand in silence knowing you've been cleared by the king of these charges. In your fight in your own head this week, listen to the charges brought against you. How do you plead? Plead guilty made innocent because the king saved you. Live in the confidence of your courtroom verdict, not guilty. The innocent king was made guilty so that you, guilty sinner, could be made innocent. Freedom is yours. Will you walk in it? Lastly, King Jesus freely chose to be exchanged. See this in verses 6 to 15. Pilate attempts to free Jesus. He knows he's not, he's not done anything wrong. And he wants to use the festival as a way to offload this problem of Jesus. And he asks the crowd, do you want your king? And the crowd cries out after being manipulated by the high priests. No, we want Barabbas freed. Barabbas, the text tells us, he's a murderer. He's an opposer to Rome. And he's the one called to be let go. The people are enslaved to the control of the envious priests who are leashing them around. And Pilate is enslaved as well to the opinion of man. Instead of keeping the peace and freedom, Pilate caves to the opinion of the mob in order to let this blow over. They shout, crucify. And Pilate gives in to satisfy the crowd. Crucifixion in Rome was a way of enslaving people. It was an intimidation means factor 
to say to anyone who questioned Rome, who's in charge? We're in charge. Crucified people were ways to manipulate the other people into believing, I have no choice but to follow the Romans. Barabbas was on death row to be made an example of. No rebelling against Rome. But do you see the miraculous sovereignty of God through Pilate's sin and slavery to man's opinion? The sovereign God makes a great exchange. Barabbas is freed from death row and Jesus takes his place. Barabbas. What does that name mean? It means son of the father. Barabbas is us. Son of the father, Adam. And he's exchanged with Jesus, the son of the father in heaven. Barabbas was a revolutionary, trying and failing to set Jews free from the slavery of Rome. But Jesus was a better revolutionary, succeeding in setting not only the Jews, but humanity free from the slavery to sin and death. Can you imagine being Barabbas in your prison cell? All of a sudden, death row, counting down the time until you're going to be crucified. And they say to you, get out. Someone else has taken your position. H.A. Ironside, I'll close with this, shares a story of understanding this great exchange as he was in a shepherd's field. He says this, One morning, I was startled to see an old ewe sheep going across the road, followed by the strangest-looking lamb I had ever beheld. The lamb looked like it had six legs, And the skin seemed to be partially torn from its body in a way that made me feel really sorry for this poor little creature that must be suffering. But when I asked, what's the story here? One of the herders brought the lamb over to me and the mystery was explained. That lamb did not originally belong to the ewe, to the mother. The mother had had a lamb who was bitten by a rattlesnake and died. This lamb that I saw was an orphan and needed a mother's care. At first, the grieving mother, the ewe, refused to have anything to do with this orphan lamb. She sniffed at it when it was brought to her and just pushed it away, saying as plainly as a sheep could say, that's not our smell. So the herders had an idea. What did they do? They skinned the lamb that had died. They skinned the son of the ewe lamb and very carefully drew the fleece over the living lamb. This left the hind coverings of the legs dragging loose, but the lamb was brought again to the ewe and she smelled it once more and this time seemed thoroughly satisfied and adopted this orphan lamb as her own. Barabbas's rebellious orphan sons and daughters of your dead father, Adam, Take in faith Jesus' covering upon you. Let the king's sweet-smelling aroma of freedom and perfection please the Father. Give up your attempts to satisfy the mob and get more likes from people like Pilate tried to do. It's a false peace. It won't last. Pilate would be carved in history for his slavery to man's opinion. As in every believer's creed, we declare Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. 
Instead, wear the covering of Christ who was chained for you, who was charged for you, who was exchanged for you. And walk in the freedom of that exchange. Dying to the things that enslave you. Taking off the chains that have already been removed. And be raised to new life in the Christ King who saved you. Cover us, Jesus, with your freely given love. That we might freely live to choose you, our crucified King, above everything else. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We thank you for this exchange. Would you remind us where we were like Barabbas? Would you remind us where we were like the Sanhedrin, the envious? Would you remind us where we were like Pilate, the people pleaser? Remind us that you have set us free from all of those slaveries. That you have set us free from the bondage, the manipulation, the pull of sin. Lord, we still feel it. We are prone to wander. We still feel it. But Father, would you continue to remind us that we have been given this gift of freedom in order that we might walk in the freedom. It is for freedom. Christ has set us free. Help us to walk in the Spirit's freedom today. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.